What is the, when you, when you think, what kind of loan did you get? Can I ask that? Uh, just a conventional loan. Normal conventional loan. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like? Um, it? it was great. Okay. Um, just because I think, so my husband is a, my husband is an engineer okay. and I'm, I have a science background, so yeah. we pretty much have our ducks in a row. Yep. Like I like to tell people spreadsheets are my love language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love having everything, you know, I cuddle um, the spreadsheets at night. Oh my God. Yeah. You understand. <laughs> Welcome to Agent Success Podcast. If you're a real estate agent looking to succeed in today's crazy market, well, you're in the right place. Each week, we talk with successful real estate agents willing to share their expert insights, trade secrets, and mindset that help them to succeed. There's no fluff, just straight to the point content that prioritizes one thing above all your success. So, without further ado, let's cut to the chase. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase. You can find us every single week at agentsuccesspodcast.com. Today, I have with me a special guest, 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 <laughs> special guest, <laughs> Glass Rimkus. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for butchering that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are at Remax Properties, right? Yes, I sure am. Yeah. Do, do most people butcher your name when they try to get it all out in one quick, it's fairly simple. It's It's... It's not, but it's like you five know, letters. Uh, growing up, it, it did get pretty butchered. Like, did it? Oh okay. yeah, elementary school was it was pretty brutal. I mean, yeah. sometimes somebody called me like lettuce once. I don't know how you <laughs> <laughs> no idea. But so is it is it spelled the same as Gladys Knight? It sure is. Oh. It sure is Gladys Knight and the Pips. I get that a lot. Yeah. Or okay. I get the wonderful. Oh, my great 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 aunt. Was named Gladys also. Uh, yes, I did. So, I did. So, I did some genealogy, <laughs> and in uh, 1642, my yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Well, you know, we're going to do things a little bit different today. So, you're a brand new real estate agent, right? Absolutely. Okay. I had when, my license for a whole three weeks. You've had your license for three weeks. Yes. We're going to do it a little different, and you and I talked about this a little bit. You are going to ask any and all questions that you can come up with that a new agent might ask a loan officer. So you've come. You've you've had some other people pitch in. on on some of these. And um, I am open to answer any question that you think uh, a a real estate agent should be asking a loan officer. And I might throw a few more at you that maybe you didn't think of that I think is important for you to ask loan officers. Oh, I think Uh, I think that's a that's a great way of putting it together. Because essentially what I'm doing, because I'm so new, I don't I'm not selling a house. I'm not yeah. buying a house right now. However, I am building up those relationships with lenders. So, mm-hmm. sorry, you're not the only one oh, that's <laughs> that okay. I'm meeting with. Um, however, it's how many of them put you on an awesome podcast that well, usually is reserved for seasoned veterans oh and says, "I know, I feel so special." Um, no, just you. Just oh, okay, you. There you good. Go. <laughs> so I'm unique at least. So that's good. Exactly. Right? So now, l- let me ask you just to put everything in context here. How uh, how long have you lived in Colorado? Since November. Since November. You're brand new to I'm everything. brand spanking new. Wow, okay, yeah. great. Um, where, what part of town do you live in? Um, I live over at Wolf Ranch, actually. Wolf Ranch, okay. Yeah. And have you run across anything in Colorado Springs yet that you feel is much different than you anticipated? Different. Hmm. The hail. The hail. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it's, been a quite, it's been quite rainy yeah, this, this yeah. season, yes. I hear that the precipitation is a little bit higher than most people are used to. Yeah. It's considerably higher. <laughs> I have not had to water my lawn very much, and it is growing like crazy. I so, know. It's yeah. wonderful, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, you don't have to waste the water it's on fantastic. it, which is great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the the hail, which is interesting, because when we first moved into our house, they said, yes, you might get hail. However, the frequency this year is is. And where did you I move from? Abnormal. We moved from New Mexico, actually, from where, Los where, Alamos. Los Alamos, okay. Mm-hmm. It's popular. 
popular right now with Oppenheimer out. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to go check it out, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I went to go see the Barbie movie, so sorry. You didn't go. You didn't go see Oppenheimer. Uh, you saw Barbie yet. instead. Not yet, but I really, if I'm going to watch it, I have to watch it on the IMAX because that's what it was recorded uh, on. So you, know, so you got to do go. it right. Okay, yeah, yeah got to do it right. <laughs> so has there been anything in Colorado Springs other than other than hail that you feel uh, either? Um, culturally or the way the city's set up, like maybe the way the roads are set up or the way people are or the way food is? Is there anything that's been like significantly different than what you had anticipated? Because, you know, Los, uh, how far away is that? Like maybe like Los five, Holmes six hours? five and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, it's not very far away. So has there been a, a huge change for you? Um, absolutely. The population is much, much higher. Mm. Um, so the biggest city in the state of New Mexico is Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And I want to say they have like five to six hundred thousand maybe somewhere around in the metro i don't know my numbers may be wrong but here i mean you have that here in colorado springs at least if not more right Uh, more than that yeah and then you've got denver which is an hour away so you just have so many more people so i think the big culture shift is just the the amount of people yeah yeah (laughs) well and with those with that um, additional people you have more opportunity as well that is exactly right. right. You know, most of the stores are stocked. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> so so you guys moved to Colorado. You decided to become a real estate agent. I sure did. And uh, and about three weeks ago, you got your license. I sure did. Okay. And, and tell me about your family. Do you, uh, you have children? Do you, you're married, not married? Um, so I'm married. We've been married 12 years. Okay. We do not have any children. So you have, you have no, uh, you have no ball and chain tying you down everywhere you go, <laughs> trying to get to the grocery store. No, you can't have it. Shut up. Get in the car. <laughs> I guess not. We do have a dog who's okay. equally as, you know, he's getting older. So he's starting to get into his crotchety old man phase. Like, old why dogs, aren't we going to bed yet? Old like, dogs really? are the best. <laughs> Absolutely so the yeah. best. That's a, the, it's it's sad and nice because the, the dogs get great when they're old, but it's sad because you know it's like as soon as they turn into a good dog, it's like ah well they don't have a whole lot of time left. I know right? you're gonna break my heart very soon. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. I'm gonna be very sad soon. So you guys move. What kind of dog is it? Uh, he's a pit bull. Pit bull. Okay. I know they nice. get a bad rap, but they are so sweet. Yeah. They're such sweet puppies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had one before and a quite capable dog. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot yeah. of had a lot of fun. Um, so you move here, you become a real estate agent, and what is the first thing? Now, you joined REMAX. Why did you, why did you join REMAX? Um, so one of the big reasons why I joined REMAX is our Remax, our agent in New Mexico, who we had had for 11 years, was mm-hmm. a REMAX agent. And I think half of it is um, I used to teach. I'm an educator. Mm-hmm. I used to teach science. So I very much value education right. and bettering yourself. And I think some of the values that I had really aligned with REMAX. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose them. Okay. Did you use a Remax agent to buy your house here in Springs? Uh, no, we did not. Did you use the builder's lender? The builder. Or is it, did you, is it a new build? No, it is not. Oh, a I new assumed build. it was. I thought it was a new. No, area. no, no, no. So Wolfranch, um, they were uh, the home that we bought was actually built in two thousand five. So I okay. believe it was one of the first waves of Got that you. area. Okay. Mm, so I like it. I I love my home. <laughs> 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 I mean, I wouldn't have purchased it if I didn't like it, right? <laughs> Why did you come to Colorado Springs? Uh, my husband got a job out here. Okay. So now you are. Fresh in Colorado, brand new city, mm-hmm. join a big name real estate company, ready to get rocking and rolling, and you're ready to ask some mortgage questions. Absolutely. What is the, when you, when you think, what kind of loan did you get? Can I ask that? When uh, just a conventional loan. Normal conventional loan. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like? Um, you? It was great. Okay. Um, just because I think, so my husband is a, my husband is an engineer, okay. and I'm I have a science background, so yeah. we pretty much have our ducks in a row. Yep. Like, 
I like to tell people spreadsheets are my love language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love having everything, you know. I cuddle um, with spreadsheets at night. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You understand. I <laughs> so I think we just had all our all our stuff together. Um, and so that relationship with, I, I think it would have gone well with any lender that we had chosen. Gotcha. And so the lender we had a great relationship with, that went well. Everything was super smooth. I, I remember even like whatever the final paperwork was mm-hmm. before closing, we we filled it out the night before. So our closing took Good. like 30 minutes. Yep. Yeah. If that. <laughs> should be very fast and should be very easy. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, everything was just a really smooth process. And I think it just had to do with us having our stuff together. A good client changes the way uh, the mortgage goes. That's so kind of what I figured, yeah. Yeah, you can have a, you can have a very easy loan that turns very difficult because somebody either doesn't want to get you something. I always say there's two things you get, give me information timely and accurately. Mm-hmm. If you just make those two things. So quickly and accurately, right? Okay. If I ask for something, you get it to me in 24 hours. If I ask for, let's say a bank statement, you get me all pages of the bank statement, not just the front page or not right. just a picture of your, you know, of your computer timely and accurately. If you do that, you're going to have a good, you even in spite of every challenge that'll come up when you buy a house, Timely and accurately information to the to the mortgage company will give you a good a good transaction. Right, and it's like it's almost hard to mess it up if you get timely and accurately information. Okay, so and then also I think there's there's something to that. Like I think you have to build up a really good relationship with that client too, as mm-hmm. a lender and as a realtor, in order to be able to get that information. Yeah. Because if you say, hey, this one first page isn't enough, yeah, and you say, can you send me some more? Mm-hmm. Like you're more likely to just send that information to somebody that you trust. Uh, yeah. Not hey, wh- who are you? Like yeah. Yeah. you <laughs> want you want my what? You want, right. you want your blood sample? And I, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. it's kind of like heck? it feels like if. It kind of feels like that when you're going it's through the probing. process. Yeah. yeah, it can be a little probing. Um, and, and, you know, we can, I, I look at it like every piece of paper you had to sign is there because somebody broke a rule. Somebody took advantage of somebody. Somebody tried to cheat the system. Somebody tried to do something somewhere, mm-hmm. which made it to where we have to have a disclosure to cover the general public, the bank, and the buyer. Right? Exactly. So it, you sign 87 pages it's like, wow, this guy, 87 of these things turned into a big enough problem where you, where you had to actually create a federal disclosure on right. this, right? It's pretty right. crazy. And that's, what disclosure. It, that's exactly what it feels like when you're filling that stuff out. It's like, oh, I bet you this one's linked to that one thing that happened. That one thing that nobody remembers happened in yeah. 2008. Like, I bet that's like, what this Oh, man, <laughs> I did get pulled over in high school once. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, you know, luckily for mortgages, they really care about, um, I hate to say it this way. They don't really care about you. They care that you meet the box that they're trying to fit you in, right? And that box is, you have a credit score box. You have a debt to income ratio box. You have the box of how long you've been employed. You have all these different boxes. And, and the more boxes you fit into, the, the, the easier it is to get you qualified. As soon as you're outside of one of those boxes, it becomes a little more challenging. You have to mm-hmm. do a little bit more work. So if you fit in the boxes and you're a well-organized person, or at least you would just get stuff timely and accurately, again, you're going to have a good, a good transaction. Mm-hmm. So why don't you jump in and you as a new agent <laughs> and me as a old cantankerous loan officer has been doing it for a couple decades, <laughs> you just throw any question you have at me 
and I'm happy to go through in any detail on any question. That sounds great. Um, so question number one and question number three are kind of together. So I'm okay. just going to go ahead and tie sure. them up together. Okay. Um, so number one, what type of loans do you offer? And um, do you offer any programs for first time home buyers? So okay, perfect. So if you and if, if there's any new real estate agents listening to this as well, it's important to know a couple of things. Most, most mortgage companies offer the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're going to have your typical Fannie Freddie, FHA, VA, USDA, just, just normal run of the mill cookie cutter stuff. But then you're going to have portfolio products. And in the broker world, we like to call them non-QM. And that, that is basically it doesn't fit Fannie and Freddie guidelines. Okay. So those non-QM programs could be something like a bank statement loan for a self-employed borrower that maybe, you know, maybe they don't have the best tax returns, but they have great deposits into an account. We use that to qualify them. Or maybe we look at uh, an investment like a DSCR investment loan where a debt service coverage ratio where we just want to make sure that the house is going to rent for enough to cover the mortgage payment. And we don't even look at the person's income. Does that kind of make sense? So so as soon as you get into the portfolio stuff, that's when you start getting a separation in a a lot of mortgage companies. Okay. So that, and, and as far as first-time buyers go, yes. But there is a, there, there's two things to know about that. Number one is, do you know what's categorized as a first-time buyer? I do not. Okay. Please tell me. You have not owned a house in 36 months. 36 months. Okay. So if you have not owned a house in 36 months, you are a first-time buyer and you qualify for any benefits of first-time buying. Okay. That being said, most programs, a vast majority, like a huge majority of programs do not require you to be a first-time buyer. You can get down payment assistance. You can get low down payments. You can get all uh, the benefits on almost all programs, even if you're not a first-time buyer. Okay. Now, there are a few programs that are specific to first-time buyers, and most companies should should do those. Cool. So the answer is yes. Yes, we definitely okay. do this. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you elaborated on that yes. also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Next question. Um, do you? And this is a question that one of my realtor friends um, told me I sure. should ask yeah. you. Um, do you have any issues closing in 30 days? If I did, we shouldn't be in business. <laughs> That's, I mean, that was kind of what she said. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, our average clear to close this last month was, I think it was like 11 and a half days, something like that. Okay. Uh, very, very fast. But a lot of that has to do with how we prepare the buyers. This is a very important aspect that maybe a lot of real estate agents, in general, you know, new or seasoned, don't quite understand. We like to prepare the clients up front. Mm-hmm. We, we take the front end of that process and we try to gather as much data, as much documents, as much connection as we can with that client right up front. They say, hey, Tim, I'm not going to be closing on a, I'm not going to buy a house for 60, 90 days. That's okay. We can get an updated bank statement in 60, 90 days. But today I want to make sure where we're at. Okay. We can get an updated pay stub in three months. But today I want to make sure where we're at. Well, I haven't filed this year's tax returns. No problem. Send me last year's tax returns. I just want to make sure where we're at. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of make sense? It does. Now I've uploaded everything into the front end of this transaction, which then allows us, as soon as you get under contract, all I'm looking for, I'm looking for an updated pay stub, easy. Updated bank statement, easy. Right? Like just very, very basic updates. Any letters of explanation, anything like that, I can tackle that before you even get under contract. I can go after all that. So the idea is how fast and efficient can we do this? And it does get it does get interesting though because it's 
you can kind of see where the transaction is going to go based off how the person responds to that. Okay. So if the person responds um, like, yeah, I'll get you everything and they, they get us everything, it's probably going to be one of the best transactions ever. If they're like, well, you know, you know I got to go pick up my dry cleaning. You know, I'll see Dragging if I can do that. Bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this is probably, they're, they're either one of two things. Either they're going to have a last minute rush, kind of like cramming for an exam in college, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, just like, bam, just, just you know, last second adrenaline, we're going to get it. And, and it works out fine if they do that. Mm-hmm. Or the next one is they're going to be that way the whole loan. The process, yeah. And it's going to be difficult, <laughs> right? So, um, and the other thing to remember, right now, you know, we, we've come out of uh, the largest refinance situation that we've ever had, mm-hmm. ever. So that being said, when you look at it, all these people become loan officers. These companies are used to making money on all these loans and, mm-hmm. and cranking out a lot of loans. We learned efficiencies during COVID that maybe we didn't have before. Um, but also um, a lot of people are putting a lot more effort into less loans. Does mm-hmm. that kind of make sense? Meaning let's say you did a thousand loans in 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you're only doing 600 or 400 right now. So you probably had to cut staff, but those efficiencies can stay and you can look to see, can I still make this quick? And you, it's easy to be overstaffed right now, mm-hmm. meaning there's a lot of talent out there right now mm-hmm. because there's less mortgages and a lot of people learned stuff over this last little bit. So right. and a lot of companies are cutting down right now. The average, the average mortgage bank actually loses money on an origination compared to making money on an origination two years ago. Okay. And part of that is they're still in cost cutting phase, it just constantly cutting costs. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting situation. I think most banks, if they're not, if, if you don't have your stuff done long before your 30 days, long, meaning a week, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really that long. But uh, before your 30 days, then yeah, I can see how that would be, that, w- that should be a concern. But you also want to look at that in two lights as a new real estate agent. Is this a company issue or is this a client issue? Mm-hmm. Right. And the company meaning the loan officer as well. Sure, so, sure, sure. So, so we're combining those into one. Um, and if you determine it's a client issue, well, what can I do to help? Exactly. If you determine it's a company issue, I don't know that you're going to do much help because it's probably the way they are. Right. So. And that's kind of, I mean, this is why I'm meeting with lenders, right? Yeah. It's really, it's just kind of what I call a vibe check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. How is it, you know, how's yeah. this going to work? What's the communication like, like? I mean, you can yeah. get a lot of yeah. information from that. Yeah. Oh, well, these are good questions so far. So let, let's, let's keep them going. All right. All right. Um, let's see. Would... You or someone from your office be available to join me for something like open houses or events like um, first-time homebuyer seminars? Yes, there's always okay. loan officers ready to go. Okay. Always. Always. Um, what I mean by that is we, we take our job very seriously, but okay. also understand that we have th- – there's two things to remember here. Number one is nothing happens in this industry until something is sold. Okay? Your title agent – cannot exist unless you sell something. Mm -hmm. Your insurance agent is not going to write a policy unless you sell something. Your loan officer, unless. So so does it make sense? Like something has to sell. It's like a domino effect. Exactly. That's got to happen And and because we know that we have, like we have to, we have to sell, we have to be available. So what can we do? What value do we add? And this is very important for you as a new, new real estate agent. And look at it and say, what what value am I getting? Not not just do they have good rates, not just do they close on time. That's very important, of course. But mm-hmm. if that's all they talk about, then what what else am I getting out of this? Are they providing more value to me as a real estate agent to help me 
build my business? Mm -hmm. Do they have resources to help me? Are they available to help me? And one of those things is open houses. So, and we actually go even a bit further than that. We have a bazillion open house signs and all, all, kind of, all, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we definitely, um, we, we, do a, we visit or do a lot of open houses. Okay, that's so great. I think, it's, I think it's a very important thing to help. I mean, it, I think it's, it's just a great resource to have for, yeah. you know, your future buyers, for sure. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, next question. And I almost looked this up myself, and I figured, oh, I'm just going to have Tim answer it for me. All right, let's do it. <laughs> what is the difference between interest rate and APR? I think there's a common mis- misconception that they might be the same. What do you think it is? No, I told you I didn't look it up because I was going to ask you. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so interest rate, and this is very important to understand as well, is interest rate, there's not a huge variation be- from company to company in interest rate. You'll get some companies that um, maybe they're what we call buying the market or maybe they pre-buy some bonds or something like that, and they can provide very good rates for a short period of time. But most of the time, a vast majority of the time, rates are plus or minus maybe an eighth or a quarter point from company to company. Okay. Okay. Occasionally, you'll get somebody trying to rake people over the coals, and occasionally you'll get somebody who's trying to do it for free for a little bit to try to drum up some business. What, what, however, however, you know, or, or however they do their business. Um, so rates are going to be very close to the same. So the rate is what you actually, you know, you go buy a car, you borrow $10,000, the rate is 6% annually. That bank will make 6% on the money they loaned you. So you are making a payment and they are, re- they're keeping their 6% before any of that goes to interest or to principal. Okay. okay? So that's your interest rate. APR is an interesting math equation where they basically look at the costs to do the loan okay. mixed with the rate. Okay. So let's say this works out very well. So let's say I quoted you four and a half and another company quoted you four and a half, mm-hmm. which probably won't happen again for another 20 years, but <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> let's, say, let's, let's say that happened. Um, and you're like, well, geez, that's a pretty good deal. Well, what if one of those costs $5,000 more than the other? your APR is going to be higher on that one that costs $5,000 more. Okay. Does that kind of make sense? So let's say I charged you an origination fee. I charged you an underwriting fee, an admin fee, or what the industry terms junk fees, but usually they go to something, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I charged more than somebody else. My APR is going to be higher. So it's a good way for you. It's a good check and balance for you because as as an industry, this is important for all you real estate agents out there, as an industry – Mortgage companies have traditionally confused how to compare offers. Okay. And so you look at you look at APR as one of those factors. What I like to tell people is when you look at your loan estimate, mm-hmm. look at box A, look at box J. Take a peek at box B, but not a lot's going to happen in there. And the reason you look at those two, box A on a loan estimate, that's going to tell you exactly what the bank is charging you. Okay, that, that's underwriting fees, uh, rate buy downs, what, whatever. Box J, that is going to be where any lender credits are located. Okay. So let's say box A is equal, but box J, they're giving you five hundred dollars. Oh well, that, that's good. That's not nothing. Yeah. So yeah. So so what you want to do is look at your rate on page one. Go to page two. Look at box A and box J, and that's the that's a good core kind of look at how to compare company to company. Now, what a lot of companies do is they like to throw in um, homemade 
good faith estimates or homemade IFWs or whatever, right? Uh, like uh, itemized fee worksheet. So okay. it's where you can kind of see what, what it costs. And what I mean by homemade is they cater it to what sells the easiest. You're just going to look here. Da, 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 you know, and other companies, what they'll do is they will underquote uh, days of interest or their underquote title or their underquote this or that. And all of those are in between box A and J. So okay. I tell everybody, don't even pay attention. It doesn't matter. And the reason it doesn't matter is because what you quote and I quote, neither one of them is going to be exactly accurate. Mm-hmm. One of them is probably going to be way closer, but it's not going to be exact. So if you want to compare these two, because box, let's say box C, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost what it costs. Your insurance costs what it costs. So forget what I quote, what I estimated, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I can underestimate to make it look really good. Sure. So just ignore that. Ignore the cash to close. Just look at just look at those for your comparison. Okay. Does that kind of makes sense? I know it's probably more than what you bargained for in that question. No, that's okay. Hey, I don't mind if I get more <laughs> <laughs> than I expected. That's great. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for that. Um, the next question is, do you offer 2-1 buy-downs? I've been hearing some. Yes, do you know what about, do you, do you know what a 2-1 buy-down is? Um, so the super, like, 30,000-foot mm-hmm. um, way that I understand it is that for the first two years, you get a different rate. Yep. Um, so the first year, you get two points down, and then the second year, you get one point down. And Correct. And the third, you go back to whatever rate you're going to have for the yep. rest of the life of the loan. Perfect. You, you, and and we had to, anybody who hadn't done these, these were popular in the early 2000s with, oh, okay. with like government loans. VA loans in particular is where we really looked at this. Um, in the early 2000s, they just went away. They weren't, they weren't a big deal. And then they came back like a flood, almost like, um, almost like uh, bid over asks and stuff like that. Like things came in like a flood. Everybody had to learn them really quickly. Mm-hmm. So the two one buy down is a is a really simple concept that almost every mortgage company does. Okay, at least they at least they should. And that is, it's basically you're just prepaying the interest. Okay, that's all it is. So if I'm going to save five hundred dollars a month this year, that means I'm going to pay five hundred dollars times twelve months, mm-hmm. and that's my upfront cost. The difference here where it becomes very beneficial is because the seller can contribute to a 2-1 buy-down. So the seller, in essence, is paying part of your mortgage payment for two years. Now, they don't like to call it that because the seller's not allowed to pay your mortgage payment for you, right? Right. So you want to look at that and say, well, why are they able to do this? Well, because it's an upfront cost, mm-hmm. and the seller concessions can go to that upfront cost. So there's a couple ways to look at this. You have a 2-1 buy-down, and that's 2 Two points off the first year, one point off the second year. Mm-hmm. Then there's a 1-1 one, one buy-down. That's a one point the first year, one point the second year. There's a 1-0 oh buy-down. That's a one <laughs> the first year and nothing. But then if you notice, these are all just two numbers, two yeah. digits, right? Now let's look at a three-digit, a 3-2-1. Three, okay. The number of digits is the no, it, it equates to the number of years. Sure. Okay, so 3-2-1 is three points the first year, two points, then one point, and then you're back to normal after mm-hmm. that. So the other nice thing about a buy-down, and I think why a lot of lenders push this a lot, was we know, I shouldn't say we know, we estimate that rates are going to get a little bit better than what they've been. And they don't want a lot of people going out refine when that happens. Sure. Because then the servicing doesn't make any money. Exactly. Because, you know, we originated the loan. You know, they need to service us for two to three years to make really start making money on it. And, you, well, at least, you know, at least three years, really, three to five and when you start making money on that, that's, okay, now this is good, right? Now now, now we're doing good. Well, if you turn around and refinance this in a year, mm-hmm. 
we probably didn't make any money on the transaction by the time all the fees and the, it, it's, it's a lot of people and a lot of work involved and a lot of compliance to really get your loan to the point where it's being serviced and managed and your all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Another, another long drawn out explanation to a two one by now. Oh, no, no, no. I like it. I like it. I mean, the more, uh, like I said, I used to be an educator. So the more information, the better. Right. And we have to try to pull an Einstein approach where we can, Explain it simply, right? <laughs> exactly. Because if, if we confuse people with our explanation, we're just, you know, we're just trying to uh, be a little, I guess, braggadocious ourselves with our big words and right. you're in not, industry knowledge. You're not being fair to the client either. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. The next question is, what are your fees? What are your fees? What are our fees? Well, here's an interesting answer for you. We actually don't have fees. What? Okay. So... Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say extend a warranty with that, ma'am. Now, so the uh, fees, they're, they're generally designed for something specific. Okay. So underwriting fee, very specific, right? Um, credit report fee, very specific. Um, and the, when you start seeing stuff like an admin fee or... Mm-hmm some random weird stuff in box A that doesn't make any sense. Really, box A should be reserved for maybe an underwriting fee, a rate buy-down, and occasionally origination fee, something like that, depending on the bank. Um, Like if you do down payment assistance in Colorado, if you do a CHAFA loan, as an example, there's going to be an origination fee. Just because the way the loan's structured, there pretty much has to be an origination fee. So we actually get paid after the loan is sold. So that's what we get paid later down the road. So okay. the client, de- so this is kind of cool, right? Like if you think about it, you represent a buyer. You are a professional. You're licensed. You have the help of a, of, of a huge Remax company. You have your errors and emissions. You have all that kind of stuff to cover the client. And how much do they pay you to go buy a house? Nothing, right? Like the, they're getting paid by the seller. Well, the same thing on the on the mortgage side. They actually don't pay us anything. Um, and then after the loan sells is when our company makes money. So, and, and it's interesting, like, let's say you have to pay an appraisal fee, mm-hmm. as an example. They're like, well, geez, you know, you're, you're charging this, well, no, it's a required, like, sure. the appraiser wants to get, but his family really wants to eat this month. <laughs> no way. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the craziest thing. So, yeah. So, okay. uh, yeah, there's really, there's no. So you're not adding anything. No, there's really no additions to it. If, the, if anything goes into box A, um, it's specifically, in our case, specifically to get you a better interest rate. Okay. So that's what you want to look at. Okay, that's good. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's a interesting conver- it's an interesting question, right? Yeah. Because when you're looking at that from, you know, from the perspective mm-hmm. of the home buyer, you don't understand half of what's on there. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to make sense of it, yeah. and you're trying to say, hmm, is this, is this actually something, or is this just like, mm, like you said, administrative fee? Like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, and it, it, it is kind of funny. That's why I say box A is such an important box, because – when you look at that and anything outside of like rate buy down or underwriting or maybe origination outside of that, like it's, they're, they're just adding something. Right. Okay. But, but here's, here's the other part that's interesting. This is why APR and looking at those two boxes are so important mm-hmm. is if I throw a fee in there and let's say I call it the, I, don't know, I call it the, the 719 junk fee. Right. And it's, it's $3,000. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to determine, did that $3,000 just have a weird name and is it actually going to buy the rate down? Like, am I at, like, is that equivalent to buying the rate down? So I look mm-hmm. at all the fees in box A just collectively as one. I don't care what it's used for. I don't care what you call it. I don't care you know, where it came from. I'm looking at box A. I'm looking at box J. I'm looking at that rate. I'm looking at my APR and going from there. 
Okay. Cool. Let's see. Oh, here's a good one. Um, this one's personal. Totally personal. Personal. Ooh. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. I'm starting to sweat. Okay, go for it. No, so um, personal to me because oh, gotcha. in New Mexico, um, in New Mexico, we we were allowed in our loan to mm-hmm. manage our own um, escrow or, yep. or the money that went towards our taxes. Yeah. We were great about it. No problem. And that was with us being first-time homeowners. Sure. So um, then we came here and yeah. they're like, well, it's tied to all this other stuff. So yeah. now you're not, you know, managing your own escrow. So my question is, um, are there any fees associated with managing your, es- your no. own escrow here? No? No. Um, Without getting to, uh, well, I'll just, I'll put it tell this me, way. Tell me yes. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say in the, the I, I'm trying to be politically correct for you. Uh, no, there's absolutely not a fee. You can do it. It's think about it this way: it's your money. Okay. It's your insurance account. It's your tax account. It's not the lenders. Okay. They they don't own your insurance. They don't own your taxes. They should not require it. Uh, there's a misconception that uh, like on VA loans, there's a misconception uh, even in our town with as many VA loans as people do that sure. that you have to have your escrows as part of VA. Well, you, you don't have to. VA does not require that. That's called a lender overlay. The lender requires that. Okay. okay. So when you look at that and you say, well, why do some lenders require it? Sure. Well, let's explore that really quickly because it's, it's a it's a quite an easy answer. The lender does it for protection for themselves. Absolutely. Not because they're dying to be under government scrutiny and, and manage your funds yeah, for there's you. There's a lot going on to that. If you're they, taking that on to your, they do that. Yeah. That is, I mean, if they didn't have to do it, uh, but when you look at it, it's almost an insurance policy for them. Mm-hmm. It's at a pure selfishness that they want to do it, which is smart in the business side, because if you let your insurance lapse by one day mm-hmm. and you have a fire in your house that day, what does the mortgage company have a lien on? They have a lien on a $700,000 burnt, pile of rubble sure. and dirt, right? That's all they got. And you don't have insurance to cover it. Hmm. Sounds like someone's getting foreclosed on. They're going to have to sell a piece of dirt for 50 grand, right? That mm-hmm. sucks. Um, look at your taxes. What is the one thing that can supersede all of their liens on, on your, is it's your taxes? taxes. <laughs> yes. It's your, it's your taxes. So if you look at that, like they could actually literally leapfrog the, the, you know, the mortgage lien holder mm-hmm. and, foreclose themselves. Right. So you're thinking, man, this is, this is crazy. So mortgage companies as a protection, they say, we'll manage these escrows for you. And I think it's smart and it's definitely not required. Now there are some banks that do require it and they only require it on some loans. Some of them require it on all loans, but it has nothing to do with the state. And so it was just probably one of your lender overlays. Okay. Do, do you manage people's escrow and require that? I guess so, that yeah. Question. So, do, so you, do, you don't, no, the, an- the answer is no, you don't have to have an escrow account. Okay. It is, and it doesn't cost you to not have an escrow account. Uh, some banks do charge that. So let's say we were going to send your loan to a bank that required that. Most of, a vast majority of our loans don't require it. Mm-hmm. But if we were to send your loan to, let's say you had a, a unique situation, we had to send your loan somewhere, and that particular bank required it, then we would have to do that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. Cool. We're, we're down to the wire. Down to, down to the wire. Man, we've only gone 33 minutes. I, I, oh, no. I, I'm liking these questions. Keep, oh, that's keep good. Throw, throw, throw as many as you got at me. <laughs> All right. Um, do you, and I, I'm hoping that you said no to this, um, do you have a prepayment no. penalty? <laughs> <laughs> no. So prepayment penalties are loan specific. So the answer is no. We don't have a prepayment penalty. But here's, I'm going to give you some insider information. This is, what, this is what most people don't understand. 
is prepayment penalties are pretty much gone. Okay. Uh, okay. With, with Dodd-Frank and I, I forget exactly the rules. I haven't taken my test in a really long time. Um, the prepayment penalties are pretty much pretty much gone, but you okay. can still run across them occasionally on the portfolio products. Oh. So like this non-QM I was talking about, some of those products might still have a prepayment penalty, but here's a little insider secret for you Okay, is if a mortgage company, like if I were to tell you, Gladys, please don't pay this off for six months. Okay. Well, can I pay it off for six months? Well, yes, you can, but please don't. But please. Now, here's <laughs> the reason why is we, there, there are prepayment penalties, not for the consumer, but for the originator and whoever's selling the loan all the way down to the servicer. So we may originate the loan and we have a six month uh, requirement that we have to actually pay back everything if you pay it off within six months. And then let's say we were to sell that to a new servicer. Well, that new servicer, there's an additional thing like, hey, we're going to buy this pool of loans from you. Mm -hmm. But if any of them are paid off in eight months or six months or whatever that, that, that term is, you got to you know, pay the fee back. Sure. So that's why you'll hear that, hey, please don't pay this off in six months. But yeah. No one's going to actually tell you, please don't do it. I mean, no one's going to tell you, no, you can't, but they're going to say, okay, please, We will please. beg. <laughs> please, my, my kids need to eat. Please. Right? Yes. Okay, though. No, that's good. That's what good. Qu- I, was, I was wondering about that because that comes yeah. up a lot. Like, oh, you know, it's, an, in, it's a thing. An, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing for sure. Uh, let me ask you a couple questions. Sure. Um, what's the minimum down payment for a conventional loan? A conventional loan? I mean, ours was... Isn't it like 20%? Yes, that is a good down payment, but it's not the minimum. So minimum down payments generally unconventional. And I'm talking generalities. There's different programs. Okay, there's there's different grants and there's different, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have some special programs. Generally speaking, the minimum is 3%. 3%? 3%. The minimum where is kind of better is 5%. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to go in 5% five per, five increments from there. Okay. You go 10%, you get a slightly better rate and slightly lower mortgage insurance. 15%, slightly better rate, slightly lower mortgage insurance. All the way down to 20, and you don't have any mortgage insurance at that point. At 20, you don't need the Correct. mortgage insurance. So you can see that and say, okay, well, most people, I walked around one time with a video camera downtown. And I, I asked people, I just said, hey, can I ask you a mortgage question? A lot of people didn't want to answer a mortgage question. No really, way. really weird. Yeah, it's it was bizarre. Not surprising at all. I was like, there's not a camera. How could you not be excited? Look, I'm not trying to freak you out, but uh, I'm a photographer. So, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's go over here and, and, and ask some mortgage questions. I asked. <laughs> I asked. Here's a dark corner where we can do these pictures. <laughs> let's go in the alley. I'm going to ask you some mortgage questions. Well, this isn't odd, but okay. Um, I had asked them, well, what's the minimum down payment? And almost everybody told me 20%. Seriously? Yeah. Hey, what? I don't feel yeah. bad. I'm with the majority. Yes. What is the minimum <laughs> credit score for an FHA? <gasps> for an FHA? Yeah. I don't know. 500. 500? Oh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so it's a minimum is 500. Uh, okay. Most companies will tell you 580. Some companies will tell you 600 or 620. Okay. Why is that? I mean, again, it's that insurance thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it is a risk. You're right. It's interesting. It's a, it's a risk layer for them. They know that FHA loans at 500 are going to have a, like a 40% default. Uh, FHA loans at 620 are going to have like a 9% default. So I don't, as a company, it's the risk analysis. right. And, yeah, and you absolutely. look at that and you're, you're not being, and, and sometimes you look at this and, and consumers in general. So well, that's discriminatory. 
Well, it's not discriminatory if it's the same for everybody, right? It, across the board, 500, across the board, 620, across the board, 640, whatever it is. Um, what's the minimum down payment on, on a VA? It's zero. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yes. But, yes. sorry, but like, yeah. stuff went through my head yeah. because the buyers of our old house had that kind yeah. of a loan and, mm -hmm. and the numbers all made sense once I kind of, yeah. anyway, there were some interesting things that I'm not going to speak about. But sure. <laughs> yeah. About the buyers in New Mexico. Well, the reason I'm asking you, and I'll, I'll, switch the, I'll switch the way I'm phrasing this to, these are questions that maybe you want to ask your, uh, your mortgage company. Now, you don't need to ask what the minimum down payment is. Of course, it's zero, right? FHA is three and a half percent. But asking how, you know, what's your, what's your minimum down payment as a, as a mortgage company? Okay. Do you require escrows? Um, do you have down payment assistance programs available? Mm -hmm. These are all very important to ask, uh, ask loan officers. So let's, let's explore one or two more really quickly. It'd be good to ask your loan officer. Um, one would be dealing with Let's let's look at the let's look at the contract. Um, you might ask them, "Do you guys?" Well, no, actually, I'm not going to ask that one because they probably shouldn't do that. I'm going to change my question. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to change it to, "Do you guys do manufactured loans?" Sure. On leased land. Oh. Very tough one. That is. What that's going to tell you if they do it is they have a deep pool. Of possibilities okay if they don't do it that's not necessarily bad because most don't but if they do that gives you a deep a, a, a more of a depth at what's available to them okay does that kind of make sense yeah that's 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 another tricky one huh <laughs> yeah oh that's a very it's a very tricky one yes it's a very tricky one um, so the these basic things that you want to ask your loan officer now, for me, I was just going to say, let me ask you. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, here's one, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the typical thing a loan officer does. Okay. Okay. And I just want you to remember this when this happens, because this is going to happen to you. Okay. okay. This is the typical thing a loan officer does. And don't laugh at them. Don't make fun of them. Don't, don't make funny faces at them. Just go with it. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Clear face. Okay. Um, they're going to tell you, Gladys, we have amazing rates. Our rates are second to none. We have excellent rates. And in your head, I want you to think everybody has good rates right now, right? Because everybody has equal rates. Now, they're good compared to certain times in history. They're not good compared to two years ago. But comparatively to everybody else, that's, that's not much of a sales pitch because everybody should have good rates. Gladys, we close. We always close. On time. You give me a 28-day contract, no problem. Good. Everybody should be doing that. Like, right on. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. okay, everybody should be doing that. Gladys, I got to tell you, my communication, you call me 24-7. You call me 28-25. I don't care. I, I, you can call me anytime you want. I'll be honest. I heard these exact statements when we, when we were... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like interviewing yeah. loan officers. Yeah. I'm like, no way. Yeah. And same thing. I was like, mm. um, first off, please don't call me late at night. Please let me have my Sundays with my kids. Like, like please. That's if there, fair. if there's a fire, sure, I get it. And if I get a phone call from a realtor, I'm going to answer it on a Sunday. But every single realtor I work with understands that that is a very important time that we have to have. Sure. We have to have that. And, but if there's something that pops up, 
You know, business doesn't really stop, right? Mm -hmm. But most things will still be the same question Monday morning, right? If I have to look into something, I still have to look into it Monday morning. Sure. Uh, call me at 7 a.m. That's fine, right? On, on Monday morning. These kind of things that loan officers like to say um, are very typical. And it does get a little bit exhausting hearing that. So my question that I would ask if I was a real estate agent, what value do you bring to me? How, what, well, like, great, of course you close on time. So we always, we always reference it as like a waiter. A waiter, because, like, you know, you, you have great rates, you close on time, you have great communication, great, you're doing your job. Right. Right on. If you're a waiter or your waitress in your situation and you bring me out my tacos and they're warm, do you demand a standing ovation? Yes, glad they were warm. What? Right. No, it's like well, right. you did your job. Like there was nothing really. It's like the minimum expectation. It's the minimum really expectation, up. right? Like like great, we hit the minimum expectation. Um, now, if you were oh, if you were a restaurant owner, do you brag that when we bring your food out, it's warm? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, right on, unless it's cereal, I'm really happy, right? Or ice cream, right? I'm, I'm pretty happy that it's warm. That's um, what I expect. Mm -hmm. So don't get fooled by the stuff that's supposed to be there. Find out what value do you bring to me? Um, do you provide value to me throughout the week? Do you provide value to my clients that, that are, is different than just rate? Mm -hmm. Do you counsel with them? Do you, do you dig deeper with them and find out what are their goals? Because... I'll tell you a two-one buy-down, or or not, you know, say a regular rate buy-down, a mm -hmm. permanent rate buy-down, just to get that lower rate. Often, you know, it's a terrible idea if you're going to be in the house for three years. It might it might take you seven years before that's a good idea. Right. So, how do I know your goals? How deep do you dig with my clients to really figure this out? Because what I want as a real estate agent, I don't want a one-and-done, one-time transaction. I want a career. I want repeat referral business. Mm -hmm. How do you help me achieve that? Right. Does that make sense? It does. So I would ask all of those kind of questions. So, okay. well, I look at that. We filled out 45 minutes now. Yeah. Yeah. Anything <laughs> else? Any, any, you got any other questions as a, as a new real estate agent? Uh, let me check. Because um, I kind of covered my last one. Sure. Last one. Do you have any bilingual Spanish speaking officers? I barely you? speak English. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, hor I'm horrible at it. Okay. I don't know if I have anybody who speaks uh, Spanish. Okay. I know some people we've had in the past did, but I, I don't know that I do right now. Okay. Um, I, I'm from Southern Colorado and I have weird slang, you know, linguistic I problems. I couldn't tell, so good for you. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, I'll give you a couple examples. Okay. Okay. Um, and you probably, you, you know, five hours away, you might have some of these too. I don't know. Uh, say the word mountain. Mountain? Uh, say, now say it with the uh, way it's spelled with a T. Mountain? Yeah, isn't that weird? Okay. Okay, so we say mountain because southern Colorado, northern New Mexico, like, like it's just a, it's, sure, sure, it's sure. a mountain, right? Um, uh, pillow, I say pillow. Pillow? Milk, I say milk. Milk? <laughs> milk, <laughs> yes. Uh, so there's, I have a lot of weird th So to answer your question, if I did speak Spanish, they probably wouldn't even understand me because I'd say weird. I'd say... I'd, I'd say you know, Papa, and they would think I was saying potato, but I meant dad or something, you know? They just look at you with those eyes and say, yeah. oh, poor thing. Oh, pobrecito. <laughs> right? Do you, are you a Spanish speaker? Um, yes, actually, Spanish is my first language. So, really? Not that you would be able to tell, yeah. No, wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> when did you start learning English? Um, I was seven. Before you started learning English? 
Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and but it's actually like the right age, right? When, when you're th- when you're thinking about like mental development yeah, and whatnot, yeah. it's actually the really good age That's to be but, picking it up. But you have a you have a f- phenomenal just native um, English kind of sound. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm originally from California, so okay. you know it's a very bilingual um, sure area. Um, was Southern California, I imagine? No, no, oh, really? it was not. The Monterey wow. Bay area. Are you familiar okay. with Steinbeck's work? Uh, I'm Red from... Red Pony, uh, yeah. Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> yeah. He talks about the Salinas Valley. That's where I grew up. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. There's a huge, huge Hispanic population there. Wow. Absolutely. That is that is fantastic. So is your whole family Spanish-speaking? Um, yes. Both okay. both of my parents um, are Mexican. And yeah. They from, here. from both of them from Mexico, too? Yes. Wow. From different parts, too. So they met in California. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. So do you do you still communicate with them and Absolutely. and do they do they speak English or are they pretty much solid Spanish? Um no, they they both speak English, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so my father's still in California, my mother lives in Texas. So but, when you um, get when you're talking to them is it does it default straight to Spanish? Um it depends. Okay. It depends if they get mad. If you're angry. Like there's definitely a lot of Spanish coming out when they're mad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I have found that every Spanish speaker that I tell like native Spanish speaker speaks at a pace uh, like I'm trying to figure out the words and it's such a pace like I, I, I it's so fast and I can't understand any of it sure right um, so you start with English and then as you tell them stories think, that a child would tell them the Spanish and the speed I think it depends so like my father predominantly speaks um, Spanish to me mm-hmm. but he doesn't have as much of an accent as my mother and mm. so my mother speaks a little bit more English and has a little bit of a heavier accent. It's interesting. interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Well, that is interesting. Wow. Well, cool. Um, that is fantastic. I appreciate you being on today. Awesome. And Thank, you. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yes. This was so much fun. Yeah, this was, ex- <laughs> this was great. And I, this is the first time I've been interviewed on my own podcast. So. No way. Yeah, so oh, it's, it's usually... It's you should usually, try it more often. I, I should try it more <laughs> often. Yes, yes. It's very, very self-fulfilling for sure. So, uh, well, I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. And that wraps us up for another episode of Cut to the chase and remember to check us out on agentsuccesspodcast.com that wraps up another episode of agent success podcast remember you can find new episodes each week at agentsuccesspodcast.com we hope you found the insights and best practices shared today truly valuable and if you did please subscribe rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform remember your success is a journey of learning and improvement So let's keep hustling, thriving, and learning. Until next week, this is Tim Chase.